So uh, as Jim has already mentioned about three times, and for those of you who don't know, I'm Brooke. Hi. Um, I, you may know me. I'm usually the drummer, one of the drummers that sits up here. Um, I'm also one of the home group leaders here, and I might be able to terrify most of you here by saying I was alive for six months of the 90s. Um, <laughs> but today, uh, I'm going to be speaking from... The, the, the last ones. Uh, <laughs> so today I'm going to be talking from Acts 6, picking up where Morag left off in verses 8 to 15. So far in Acts, we've seen the commission. Uh, so Jesus sent out his disciples to go and make disciples of the nations. We've seen the ascension when Jesus, res Jesus' resurrected body uh, ascended to heaven to continue his work there. We've seen Pentecost when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to be with us, to equip us for the mission and the commission at the beginning. And we've seen the beginnings of the Acts of the Apostles and the very early beginnings of the church. Now we've seen some patterns come up so far and we'll continue to see this in and beyond today's message. The pattern looks a little bit like this. We've got the apostles and others among the early church out doing signs and wonders they're out doing healings and performing miracles and all the good stuff. Then they tend to receive some kind of opposition for this. And then there's some sort of teaching, usually related to the signs and wonders that have just happened. This combination of signs and wonders with teaching is really key. It would be, and often is, really easy to just do one or the other. But as we see throughout Acts, and this follows Jesus' model as well. It's so important that they come hand in hand, kingdom teaching and kingdom signs. This week's message picks up in Acts chapter 6, looking at verses 8 to 15, if you want to try and find that with me. Last week, we saw Stephen being selected to serve. He's noted in verse 3 of the same chapter as being among seven men who are said to have been of good repute full of the spirit and of wisdom. And then in verse six, as a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. So let's see what he gets up to now. Rachel is gonna come and read this week's passage. If you haven't found it or don't have a Bible with you, it is already up there for you. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Thanks so much. The real thing that jumps out to me here is that Stephen had such a real encounter with God that it was actually visible on his face. I think that's pretty cool. 
So if you look at verse 8, we see that, well, there are three things I'd like to draw your attention to. The first thing is that he's stated as being full of grace and power. Now, this could be saying that he's gracious, in which case he's reflecting God's character, and that's pretty great in itself. Wouldn't it be wonderful if the same thing was said about us? Alternatively, it could be that he was full of a gracious dealing, that the power in which he is able to do and participate in, with signs and wonders is a gift given from God, completely out of grace, from a place of love, and it's undeserved. I find this a helpful reminder that when we partake in signs and wonders, in ushering in God's kingdom, it's in his power alone and only because he is gracious enough to let us participate. We don't earn the right or ability to heal people or to prophesy by being extra holy or some kind of super Christian. It's an unearned gift from God. And this stops any sort of comparison or self-righteousness coming into play. But it's also super exciting because God extends the same grace to all of us, which means we all get the same chance to participate in ushering in God's kingdom this way. And again, that's pretty cool if you ask me. He was also out doing signs and wonders. He was doing the stuff, as we like to say here at Vineyard. This is such a great example for us to follow. Not only was Jesus healing people during his ministry on earth, and not only was it the apostles or theologians doing it, but Stephen was just a food distributor and he was doing it too. This is such an encouragement to us and a challenge to step out. How can we be doing that more? Let's get out and do the stuff. He was also among the people. Stephen wasn't just doing signs and wonders among his fellow Christians uh, or the apostles or those who were there at Pentecost. He was out in the street doing it. Wouldn't it be really great if we could see this too? If we could see the spirit pouring out in our little corner of East Fife. If a woman outside the co-op in Cooper's leg was completely healed and they didn't need that crutch they needed for years anymore. If a man from Crail's world was completely shifted because someone from Kingdom Vineyard got a word of knowledge from God and stepped out in faith and shared it with them. And what seemed like such a simple thing to them or to us spoke into their situation and met them where they were at. Isn't this the kind of God encounter that we long to see people have? We can't keep this to ourselves. It's just too good. It's so great that this is a season we're really stepping out into in home groups. If you didn't know, we're currently working through a book called Everyday Supernatural, and it's already been so impactful. And if you're not already, I can't encourage you enough to get into a home group. They're all really great. I'm slightly biased towards my own. I think there's something really special there. Um, if you're not already in, just me. Um, if you're not already in one, then come speak to me or Jim or Rachel or Caitlin or go to the Connect Point, which is downstairs at the end. I just, yeah, can't encourage you enough to do that. Anyway, what we've been stepping out into in home groups has been so powerful with this stuff. To see a room, in my case, of ten young adults so filled with the Holy Spirit that there is laughter, people speaking in tongues, worshipping God, seeing spiritual breakthrough, emotional healing. This is such exciting stuff, but there's so much more. 
Let's bring the kingdom of God into the kingdom of faith. Now, some or a lot of this stuff I've mentioned might seem weird, and it is weird. I know from personal experience that it is. When I was 17, the doctors told me that my thyroid was underactive, and this was another factor contributing to my chronic fatigue. I had several blood tests over several months, and each time they checked it, it just went down more and more. But just um, before I was meant to be starting the treatment, just after I had arrived here in St Andrews, they ran another blood test and it was functioning completely normally. I don't know if you guys know, but this stuff doesn't happen ordinarily, but it happens with God. It was weird, but in a way that means that it's so far from ordinary that it's amazing. It's weird, but look at what happens when God's weirdness breaks out and his kingdom breaks in. Now, if we look at verse 9, this verse outlines for us some of the people that weren't happy about what Stephen was up to. We've got the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians from North Africa, and then those from Cilicia and Asia, where we would now see Turkey, as well as those from the Freedmen Synagogue. This says a lot about who rose up against him. These are his own people, his spiritual and religious leaders, not only this, but they were also the cultural and societal leaders at the time. People might not like it when we step out in this stuff. They didn't always like it when Jesus did. They don't like it here when Stephen does it. And you may have encountered some opposition yourself. When he was rebuked and pulled up at the end of verse 9, we see in verse 10 that Luke writes, that they could not withstand the wisdom and spirit, which is helpfully capitalized here in the ESV, so that we know it's the Holy Spirit, uh, with which he spoke. What's not commented on here is the quality of his apologetics. It's how he spoke wisely, spoke truth, and spoke words full of the Holy Spirit. And it's because of this that they couldn't argue with him. Now, we don't know that he didn't engage in debate with them, we also don't know what academic training Stephen had had. However, what we do know is that he wasn't a theologian and that his devotion was most likely personal and not professional. We don't know how much training he had in apologetics or debate, but looking at his job and duty, it's reasonable to say, not much. Instead, he relied on God to speak through him. And this is exactly what Jesus instructed. In Luke 12, verses 11 and 12, which Alistair is going to get up as well, it says, and when, and when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what it is you ought to say. In fact, Stephen spoke with such wisdom that it's sensible to assume that it was God speaking through him as opposed to him being a theologian evangelist. And even in that simple act of obedience, he pointed back to God. Now, as Jim aptly put it a couple of weeks ago, when God does God stuff, and God's people do God stuff, then people do people stuff, and the enemy does enemy stuff. Catchy. <laughs> when people lash out, as they did in rebuking Stephen, as they will continue to do throughout today's passage, and as they still will today. What Stephen does and what we should do 
is hold on to God so closely that it's, in, that it's his presence speaking through us and that that will point them to the God that's within us. In essence, when the enemy does enemy stuff and people do people's stuff, let us do God's stuff and let him do even more God's stuff. And if we look into verse 11, they realized that they couldn't argue against Stephen, so they began to spread rumors about him. They spoke lies. They said that he was speaking blasphemous words against Moses and God. While we don't know the exact words that Stephen said when they rebuked him, we can say with certainty that he was not blasphemous because God was working through him. They may have thought that he was just by being a Jesus follower in the first place, let alone the signs and wonders stuff, but he wasn't being. Now, off the back of this, in verses 12 into 13, we see that Stephen is brought before the council. Now, if you've been following this series in Acts, you may notice that this sounds more than a little familiar by this stage. We've already seen Peter and James go through the same thing. They didn't like what he was doing so much that they took it to the officials. This isn't the first and it won't be the last time it happens in Acts. Just you wait till Paul gets going. And it was all based on lies, or at the very least, on twisted words. I wouldn't be too surprised if this happens to you too. I know it's happened to me. In my first year, we did this little thing uh, that started among some of us freshers, and we called it Worship Wednesday, because we worshipped on a Wednesday, and we weren't the most creative bunch. <laughs> Nonetheless, God blessed our Wednesday evenings with such a sweet and lovely encounter with God's presence. God was on the move and there was no denying it. We grew from five people in a very sweaty DRA music room to a much larger space occupied by more than 30 people in just a few weeks, just coming together and worshiping God and waiting on him. But God was doing stuff and the enemy did not particularly enjoy this. We noticed rumors started to come up Things people had heard through the grapevine about our intentions for the weekly get-together that were simply not true. Big words were spoken. People said we were doing the enemy's work and being divisive. All because God was up to something and the enemy didn't like it. This stuff still happens and I'm sure so many of you will have similar experiences in this. And it hurts. It's so often friendly fire coming from those who we're meant to love and respect and trust, just as it was here for Stephen. Whether it's friends or family, or just those who you respect in leadership roles or not, it hurts. But this shouldn't stop us stepping out. It didn't stop Stephen, it didn't stop us guys over at Worship Wednesday, and it shouldn't stop us going into our towns, our schools, our tutorials, and our workplaces, and stepping out for God. We get to be a part of what God's up to and partner with him. This is so exciting to me, and I hope it is for you too. To see God do work in and beyond our wee corner of East Fife, to see people's brokenness healed, relationships restored, and to see every single one of our neighbors just flat down, face down on the floor, worshiping God. Of course the enemy isn't going to like this, but man, is God so much bigger and better than that. 
what it is they pull Stephen up for here are claims that Jesus will destroy the temple and change the customs that come from Moses. It is likely that they have misinterpreted him talking about what Jesus says, as written in Mark 14:58. It says, we heard him say, I will destroy the temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. They don't like it when Jesus said this, so it should be no surprise to us that they didn't like it when Stephen proclaims the very same thing. Jesus is referring to rebuilding the temple in his own body here. Those around Stephen are misinterpreting this and using it against him. With the latter part of the claim that Jesus was going to change the customs that Moses delivered to them was misinterpreted similarly. Jesus does change some of the customs, but it's really important to look at what customs he changed and why. Jesus calls them back to God's heart and away from empty legalism. There were certain religious customs and traditions that Jesus was pointing out as unnecessary for fulfillment of the law or for salvation. They were no longer to be the focus of his people. Many of the ones he spoke against being cultural customs passed down over generations rather than specific laws with an important why behind them. He's drawing them back to the heart of God. And if you look in the final verse, verse 15, we see that with these fake witnesses and misquotings, I imagine it would have been really easy for Stephen to get personal with it, to rise up and get vindictive about it, to defend himself and his people and his God. I know that's my initial reaction in the flesh, in the broken human part of me, but this is not what's reported here. This would not have shown God's character to those accusing him. Instead, what's reported is that all who sat on the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. He had had such a close encounter with God that it was literally beaming from his face. We see a similar thing in a couple of other places throughout the Bible. If you want to turn with me or just take note of Exodus 34, 29 to 30, we see here a very similar phenomenon, if you like, with Moses as he descends from Mount Sinai following 40 days spent in the presence of God. It tells us how when Moses was on his way down with the the two tablets in his hands, with the commandments and the laws on them, his skin was shining because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel were scared to come near him because his face shone with the glory of God. He carried so much of God's presence that it showed on his face and they were afraid to come near him although this may have just been because his face was shiny. This is the same thing that we see with Stephen. He has such a real relationship and closeness with God that he encounters him so closely that it shines, that he shines with the glory of God. We see this again in Matthew 17, verse two, in the transfiguration, when Jesus is having a good old chat with Elijah and Moses on that mountain. Jesus' face is shining with the glory of God. Stephen is in continuity with Moses and with Jesus. I find it ironic that the witnesses and the council who accuse Stephen, are, and more so accuse Jesus, are pulling them away from, Mos- 
of pulling them away from Moses when actually he is the most like Moses in the situation. Fortunately, Stephen shows us that we don't have to be Moses and we don't have to be on a mountain to have that encounter. We have God manifested with us today, just as real as he was on Mount Sinai and just as real as he was on that mountain in the Transfiguration. We get to encounter God just as Moses and Stephen did. Let's be pursuing that. It goes on to not be the best time for Stephen. I'm not going to pretend that it just finishes on. His face was like the face of an angel, and that's where it ends, because it doesn't. And I'm not going to pretend that it stays all nicey-nice for him. But let's not let this stop us from stepping out. Let's not let this stop us from pursuing a real encounter with a real God each day, an encounter that transforms us, leaves us shining with God's glory, and equips us to step out and usher in God's kingdom. And by doing the stuff as well. As Jim said the other week, we're not all called to engage in formal apologetics or theological debate, especially not all the time. But we are all called to be a good witness that reflects Jesus. So let's do that. And as Jeremy challenged us powerfully, neither at the beginning of our journey through Acts. Are you not a target for opposition because you fall beneath your kingdom obligations? We have seen all throughout Acts, and we see it here with Stephen, that when we step out in building God's kingdom, opposition will come up. I'm not saying, and to clarify, as Jeremy did, that neither was he, that you should go out and deliberately provoke people. But if you're not receiving any opposition, it might be worth asking yourself if you need to step out with God more. If that is you, I'd encourage you to do that and to come forward during ministry time where we're going to, that we're going to have in a minute and just ask for boldness to step out and take risks. And if you feel like opposition is coming at you and it's coming at you like a steamroller and you just can't take it anymore, be encouraged that you don't have to take it on your own. It's not your burden to carry alone. I've made that mistake too many times. I just want to encourage you to, to offer that up to God. And if that's you, I also want to invite you for some prayer at ministry time. Finally, if you feel like you really want that God encounter, one that is so transformative that people can see it on your face, that people can just see that you're different by looking at you, why don't we make that the way that we share God in East Fife? If that's you, whether you feel like you've never had this encounter before or you had one yesterday, I'd also want to invite you up for some prayer in a few moments. And if you don't fit into any of these groupings but still want a fresh touch from God, if you need healing or strength or just want some more Jesus, uh, then I want to invite you. That God encounter stuff is for everybody, even you. And I got a sense as we were worshipping that there might be someone here with a um, sore right wrist. So if that's you, then please come up for some prayer for healing. If that's not you and you want some healing, you can also come and we'll pray for that. Why don't you stand and I'll pray with you.